This is our first session now on Ephesians 4, 11 to 14. And all I want to do in this first session is try to give the bigger picture of how this relates to what went just before and what Paul is up to in the big picture. And then we'll get into the details. So let me read it. And uh, don't worry about the details I'm passing over. We'll come back to those in future sessions. He, Jesus, ascended on high after the resurrection. He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be shepherds and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So, Father, clearly this is Paul's effort to help us understand how Jesus, as the ascended Lord of the Church, aims to give gifts and roles of offices in the church to help us become the body of Christ, to fulfill our mission in the world, in the universe, and for eternity. So grant us light as we probe our destiny here, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go back and remember in the previous paragraph, grace was given to each one of us. So grace from Christ was given to each one of us, not just apostles and prophets and teachers and so on, but to each one of us, according to the measure of Christ's gift. And that's why Psalm 68, 18 was written the way it was. When he ascended on high, he, God, namely Christ, led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. So that's, this right here is why he said that. Now that's really important because sometimes people go to the next paragraph and say, oh, these are the gifts. Apostles are gifts, prophets are gifts, evangelists are gifts. Shepherds and teachers are the gifts that Christ gives to the church because it says right here, he gave gifts to men, and then they interpret that to be the roles. Well, that won't work. Not if you limit it to that because of this therefore. Right? Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And that is why. It's written this way. So you can't take this word gifts and drive it forward and say it only refers to apostles and 
prophets and teachers and pastors and doesn't go that way when, in fact, the therefore demands that it go this way. So it's both. And that becomes really crucial because what we're seeing is that in verses 11, really to verse 16, Paul is showing how this destiny will come to pass. How will it be that he might fill all things? Now, here's the way I argued, and you can go back and check out the argument for it. I said that he who descended, Christ in the incarnation, is the one who also ascended far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And the way he fills all things by descending and ascending is by dying for his people, rising again, and assembling them into his own body by which he fills all things. Look at chapter 1, verse 22. He put all things under, God put all things under Christ's feet, gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So it's by his body, the church, which is the fullness by which he fills all in all. So when I read here that he is going to fill all things and he couldn't do it in his pre-incarnate state, well, he could have, right? <laughs> he could have filled the universe and everything else with himself, with his power, with his influence, with his wisdom, with his might. But he descended in order to get a church for himself and thus fill all things. So what verses 11 to 16 are doing is describing how is he going to prepare the church for that? And that's what this is about. He, he gave some apostles. That is the effect of his grace in some people's lives. They were apostles. He gave some prophets. That was the effect of the grace that he gave. But that does not rule out that he gave grace to all. In fact, these roles here, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, are for the equipping of the saints. And those saints are the ones in verse 7 to whom grace was given. And that's very important to notice because we should never think that if we are a shepherd or a teacher or an evangelist or a prophet, I don't think these apostles are around anymore, we should never think, well, I guess we just start with unbelievers who have no divine grace in them and we have to somehow produce the equipping of saints who don't have any gifting from God. No, it's not that way at all. It's both and. The gifting that they have is right here. Grace was given to each one. And that's what we start with as shepherds and teachers. Saints already have graces. Saints already have gifts. And our equipping doesn't start from scratch. We are mobilizing and refining the saints. 
for the work of the ministry, the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man. Now, we'll come back and say more about that, but that's corporate reality, right? That is a singular man that the church individuals are becoming. So this text is all about individuals and all about corporate identity of the church as one man. Keep reading. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Christ is one, and we are becoming his fullness. Later, he's called in verses 15 to 16, the body of Christ, so that we may no longer be children. Now we're back to individuals within the body. You see the interplay. The interplay between here's the corporate reality, we are becoming one man. Here's the corporate reality, we're growing up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That mature man, that fullness of Christ are the person of Christ, and we as the body of Christ are maturing into a suitable body for this mature man, Jesus Christ. And then he says that we may no longer be individually children. So don't let anybody minimize individualism in the church or minimize corporate reality in the church. These things are always being overstated as people argue with each other about, oh, you're too fixed on individuals, or oh, you're too fixed on corporate reality. They're both real, and and Paul won't let us go hardly two sentences without insisting that we see the children individually not tossed about and the children unified in one new man. So stepping back, what Paul is doing is saying that the great destiny of the church, each one gifted by Christ, is to receive gifts from him, be equipped by him, and fitted that he might fill all things by the body of Christ. As it says in chapter 1, the body is the fullness of him who fills all in all. And now, this, which we're going to spend quite a few sessions on, is describing how does he prepare individual believers to be the united body of Christ to fulfill a destiny like that? He does it by apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers and the equipping of the saints who then they themselves do the work of the ministry. All of us have a hand in this amazing destiny for the church. More details next time. Lots more.